I guess it is December 1st, so you are just uh, coming through the, the doors blaring here on uh, the first of the month. Yeah. Oh, I know. It snuck up on me. I don't... I was looking at my calendar um, at work yesterday, and there's, like, my boss always sends us, like, little reminders of things going on, being like, you should think about this. And, like, most of them are over the weekend or, like, after the work day, and so it's he can't be like, you should go to this, but it's like you should think about maybe going to this like city hall meeting or like think about looking into this like legislative agenda <laughs> meeting with this like little suggestions yeah, like, little suggestions like obviously he's not expecting us to go to like any or all of them but you know just friendly reminders and one yeah. of them was today on December 1st and I was like oh I'll think about it maybe like I'll look at this again next week and then I looked at the calendar and I was like oh shit I don't have next week that's tomorrow it is next week it's next week now it's next week now damn it yeah I was just thinking last week I mean I had that which I'm sure so many people got that crush of like oh my god I have to think about Christmas Christmas presents presents. yeah. yeah I just got that feeling of like you know really I don't know as a kid it never felt like I mean as a kid it always feels like Christmas is just like a million miles away no matter what but like I feel so old to be like oh yeah that three weeks in between you know Thanksgiving and Christmas is just like not that much but it's not that much oh my god at one point I was texting with Lee and and Lee goes yeah there's only 37 days left to Christmas this was like a while ago now yeah I would welcome 37. It's like 25. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. When I started, like, you know, thinking about Christmas presents, I was like, oh, my God. If I'm going to, like, get anything shipped, I need to, like, do it right. real fast. Unless it's, like, Amazon. It's like, you can wait until the last minute, but then you have to actually go to stores. <laughs> well, that was, like, last year when Marlon and I were, like, sitting at Chick-fil-A and we were, like, ordering Amazon. But we were like, okay. <laughs> We have we Prime, have like, what's going to still so get it? It reaches <laughs> yeah. over $30 so we can get Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, we were like, what? How can we, what can we still get to get here right. in time? And we're, like, adjusting all of our present ideas based on, like, Prime shipping. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, happy December 1st, Happy everyone. December 1st. Not as stressed as we are. <laughs> I'm not panicking over Christmas presents. I haven't even started mine, and I craft. Oh. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, you better, you better get on it. You better get going. Oh, man. I remember, so one year, I don't know if you remember this. I, like, rem- <laughs> I remember all of my crafting projects from, like, every year because they're always so stressful. But there was one year that I made, like, I crocheted slippers for everyone, those, like, felted slippers. Oh, yeah. yeah I started in, great. like, yeah. September. Oh, no. <laughs> Like, I planned that out over, like, I found the crafting project that I wanted to do, like, over the summer, and I started in September, and it took me until Christmas to get all of those done. <laughs> like, Uh-oh. that's, how, that's yeah. how far in advance you have to plan when you're crafting for, like, 20 people. 
That's true. And everyone listening, we should specify that our panic comes from the fact that we have so many people in our family. Yeah. And, and it I mean, growing. Granted, I don't know how we end up with like more people <laughs> every year, but it's always like, wait, didn't we used to only have like four people in our family? <laughs> Why do we now all of a well, sudden have 12? We do keep trying to manage it too with like Secret Santa, but then it's always the thing of like, I don't know, it feels weird not to give anything to people. Yeah. Like, so I think it, you know, always becomes that like, breakdown of like well we'll get everyone else little things and then the, our secret santa a bigger thing and then it just becomes a juggling act of what's like, a bigger thing compared oh to all these little yeah. things <laughs> exactly yeah i will say it oh is, goodness like i don't like the secret santa thing because of that exact reason it's like you're getting like one present and you're like giving one present and it feels weird to not include the other people but i will say it is yeah. nice that his, has scaled down the presence that we have to think about like even just yes, like feeling true. like we only have to give small things to people and then like one bigger present to one other person it is nice not having to shop for like a whole present for everyone well it's true because it does cut down that level like I don't know about you but I would do that like hilariously ridiculous thing where I would like buy presents I would like have good ideas for everyone I would buy presents have or make them or whatever mm-hmm. it was and like kind of get that done and then I would get to the point where I was like I just it would be so last minute and I would get so in my head and I would be like oh my it's god it's not enough like, well yeah exactly <laughs> or they're like, oh uneven god, yeah no that's exactly it it was always that they were uneven in my head and yeah. so I would always do that thing of like adding on like an extra like I don't know if you've heard that um SNL Christmas song the one true candle no. but it's like there's a line in that of like don't pair it you know it's basically joking of like everyone just gives this one candle just like around between people but it was joking like don't pair it with a lotion because it doesn't need it like some extra thing it only needs the candle (laughs) and so I always think of that because I was that person that was always like I'm just gonna add like something else into it and then people would get like a bag of you know just like things that didn't go together but like yeah well welcome to paranormal captivity everyone where we talk about Christmas presents (laughs) Yeah, where we talk about our weird family Christmas things (laughs) instead of cats. (laughs) Well, you have some cat news, though. Do I? Well, yeah. Aren't you going to pick up? uh, Yeah, yeah, I am. I know. I've (laughs) I've been like debating it all day because it's like really gross outside, and I just want to like not change out of my PJs and like cuddle up and you know finish cat who books yeah (laughs) but then like every time I'm like no I don't I'm just not gonna go home then I think about it and I'm like but I'm gonna be so sad all week long if I don't go get my cat (laughs) yeah I'm gonna be so bummed out that like I have another week of just Mushu not that I don't love Mushu (laughs) he's just not a very exciting cat He's not enough. He's not oh, enough. don't tell Mushu that he's not enough. No, he's enough. He's just like not. He's not cuddly. <laughs> you know, like yeah, every cat has yeah. their own personality, and I miss my other cats. No, that's fair. That's plus fair. he's like in the closet half the time, and I'm like, come on, buddy, I want to <laughs> play, and he like doesn't play. <laughs> Julia, let him come out of the closet <laughs> on his own time. <laughs> well, I did. I went to PetSmart, and I got not sponsored. I got these. Um, <laughs> These, like, little fuzzy balls with, like, giant feather tails on them. Oh, I saw you post yeah. that. Yeah. You said they were They're good? great. So I have a love-hate relationship with these balls because mom actually sent me the exact same set when I was in Albania. 
and oh. Ari loved them. She would like carry them around in her mouth like she had just killed a bird. Oh. And <laughs> like she like played with them and like they were great. She loved them so much, but they both ended up in my Turkish toilet. And so I <laughs> So they both at separate times I had to like fish them out with my like chopsticks of like, broom handle. Oh. <laughs> like a like a broom handle and like old pipe. <laughs> No, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want it. So it was gross. I might have left them. <laughs> it was gross. For those of you who don't know what a Turkish toilet is, mine was the non-flushing kind. So it was just like a pipe of like dirty poo water that like went straight down. <laughs> it's really just a hole in the ground. <laughs> it truly was just a hole in the ground. Although to bring it back to the cat who Turkish toilet does sound like something that Quillerin would say and that we wouldn't know what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is a good segue, too, because we should tell everyone that we had an entire text conversation last night about, about what a turkey roast is. <laughs> what was your line? I, like, literally want to, like, print this on everything and, like, submit this for, like, the greatest quote award of the year. Okay. What so, <laughs> so, I had to Google what a turkey roaster was because you, what were you thinking it was? Well, so I was thinking, so I kind of, I guess I kind of knew, well, I guess the, I'll just say what I mm-hmm. thought it was and bring it on yeah. with the rest of it, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I was, I was look, thinking that it was like, uh, back at our house in Virginia, we have this like little thing that you can make fires in called a chimera, chimera, I, chimera. I know we've been pronouncing it wrong our entire lives, so I'm not even going <laughs> to try, but yeah, it's like a. It's kind of like a, ooh, how would you describe it? Like, it it kind of looks like a, like something that you would bake a Moroccan dish in, you know? It has, yes, like, the, it it's like a clay, like, birdhouse shape type, like, chimney thing that you just, like, stick a little fire in, and it's basically, like, a little clay pot. I'm saying little, it's, like, the size of a snowman. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, a, you know, a clay pot that you, like have on a stand and you like have a fire in it yeah yeah it looks a little bit like a, it's a clay like a clay thing so I guess I was kind of picturing like just a silly shaped thing that Quillerin was like had just randomly picked up in his years and was like using incorrectly as <laughs> the cat litter box yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was picturing when I heard turkey roaster, I was picturing like, you know, a Boston market when you go and they have the like chickens <laughs> <on> spit. <laughs> I was picturing one of those like oh big stand up ovens, but like maybe smaller and more like a toaster oven that you would stick like one chicken in. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get this text from Julia that's like, I don't understand. Like, I had to look this up, but I still don't understand how the cats like go into this and like live in it. I was like, yeah, because I googled it, and it's basically just like a big crock pot, which, like, I'm assuming in the '80s it wasn't. Maybe it was electric. I don't know. They had electricity in the '80s. Maybe it was just a big crock pot. But I'm assuming it's kind of like a big, like, roasting pan, basically. But, but yeah, I was like, I don't understand how they're just like living in this like <laughs> roasting pan. What a weird cat house. And yeah, uh, I was confusing commode with abode. <laughs> which i literally never want to forget at any point in my life that you confused commode with a boat so that's my embarrassing story about how i thought a litter box was a cat house 
you truly said it so casually too you were like oh yeah that's just because I confuse Kimbode and Kimbode and I was like do you know you just said the most quotable thing of all time I don't think you know I mean those aren't words that you hear very often okay I know what they are I just my brain wasn't there you just went a little too fast through them yeah Julia if you don't write me a poem using both commode and abode for next time I'm gonna be so mad yeah I'm not gonna do that <laughs> oh man well great segue to the cat who knew a cardinal because we've got the second part for you guys today and oh boy this book just was I still think it's one of my favorites like it really brought it all together yeah I mean I guess not everything together yeah no I I enjoyed this one I don't know if it was necessarily like that different from the other books like it was pretty darn similar in my opinion actually to the cat who talked to ghosts like the storyline when you got to the end and it was like spoil it all but there's like a scared like mousy little woman with like her child in the hospital and like a terrible like semi maybe abusive like not significant other but like man in her life I was like isn't this a story that we've already heard no it's so true and like the idea of I mean spoiler alert we'll get there but that the last confrontation played out very much like most of the other ones that we've I mean not most of the other ones but at least the cat who lived high like it's very similar to that Mm -hmm. one in like you know Quiller and acting ahead of his maybe all of the preparedness that he should have had yeah. to uh, Quiller needs to you know. stop like inviting murderers over to his house and confronting them <laughs> yeah and like trying to get them drunk like he literally gets murderers drunk and then is like you're a murderer and, <laughs> and then like, they pull out a weapon yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then by happenstance he doesn't die yeah. but you know what I did like there were so many like other little aspects to it that I feel like made it a little bit more interesting for me mm-hmm. like the there's a cat competition a cat lookalike competition oh, that, was fun. that goes wildly <laughs> out of hand which is super fun um and then the guy who's murdered you do actually find out a lot more about Hillary Vanbrook yeah um oh. aka William Smurple Ooh, what a weirdo <laughs> he's such a weirdo and like a lot of stuff that didn't even have to do with why he was murdered either yeah Um, which was kind of cool but kind of also like I wished it connected a little bit more but also I don't know I think I kind of liked that some of it yeah and also I don't know how you felt but like the more I learned about him I was like are we supposed to like still hate this guy are we supposed to like feel bad for him maybe like him like what is this character she's writing or like be super impressed with like what he made of his right. life after like yeah. clearly not having I mean spoiler alert he is a like criminal but he's like kind of a cool <laughs> one <laughs> he is kind of a cool one like as far as we know he never actually hurt anyone yeah. he just was, he was like just a weird yeah exactly he was just an asshole but he also was doing all of this like undercover I mean not actual undercover I don't mean like FBI type like sting operations here but like Basically, Quillerin ends up discovering this whole, like, secret logbook. And, you know, we don't even really figure it out. Like, at one point, Quillerin thinks that that he's growing. He has, like, an illegal saffron, uh, like, ring, I guess, that he's, like, growing saffron and, like, selling it for, like, smoking purposes, which I, I meant to look that up, actually, because I don't even know if that's I don't, possible. I don't think saffron's a drug. It's just, like, a really expensive spice. Like, if you go to the store and try to yeah. buy saffron. Don't do it. It's just like expensive. I, I don't know true. if it really has much of a flavor. Like I'm really not sure what saffron is meant for, but 
I think it's really good for you. Like, I think it's a spice that's supposed to be really healthy, and it is really vibrantly yellow. It is, like, yeah. I know that much. Like that. I think it's a, but... a spice that you like. You see it a lot in like rice dishes. If you have like the bright yellow yes. rice, it's usually like a saffron rice. Yeah. Which a small funny side note that like doesn't really tie into the story at all. Quillerin discovers that it's probably saffron because he's taken one of the flowers from when he. I think we told you last time when he broke into, well, not broke into, that's ex- extreme. When he uh, tagged along with, uh, who was it? Fran? I think it Fran. It was Fran, yeah. She was dropping yeah. off the like windows or blinds or whatever he ordered. That's right. So yeah, so when he tagged along with her and he found this like mostly dead garden, like indoor garden, he stole a flower um, and put it in his pocket and then forgot about it and washed his clothes and like everything turned like bright yellow. And so he found out that way that it was probably sa- like saffron. Yeah. So he's thinking. Although I guess it would be illegal because I was thinking like, well, that's not necessarily illegal. But I wonder if it's illegal because you need like FDA approving to sell things like well, that. I, I, don't know. I don't think it actually ended up being an illegal saffron ring because what they discovered later. Are we just going to are we just going to out all of this guy's secrets at the forefront because they don't really have anything to do with his death yeah i think that's totally fine yeah because they're not really like actual spoilers because it wasn't really so what they actually go towards yeah what they actually ended up finding um so was it susan who was going through like all of the books with quillerin like all of the cases of books because the guy ended up leaving all of his stuff to the school system so they're going through his books to i guess categorize them and like dole them out to the school libraries so Quillerin takes a couple because he's like oh these look interesting and Susan's like yeah no one's gonna miss them just like grab a couple if you want to read them and he gets yeah. home and Coco knocks one off the table and like money goes flying <laughs> right yeah and so Quillerin's like oh shit these are all full of counterfeit bills like this guy's running a counterfeit money oh that's scheme. right so what my assumption was the flowers were probably used for dyeing the money so it probably wasn't oh. saff- or it might have been saffron I don't really know what dyes you use to dye money but I don't think it was like him selling spices I think it was him dyeing and printing his own counterfeit bills oh interesting yeah that's right because I remember that it was counterfeit bills and I remember being totally thrown off by that and just being like oh I thought this was just his like stash of money that he was making from this other thing we already found out and then it was all tied together (laughs) that's right yeah okay so weird so crazy um so then I guess we could kind of go into so a thread from that one of the other things we find out um that links that into the mystery Mm -hmm. um is that so Quillerin goes to Lockmaster which is the next town over he's been invited to a steeplechase with yeah, yeah. the that is taking uh, it back to where we left off is it okay good yeah i thought so because i think he was like about to leave yeah it was like uh, right after dennis's funeral that i think that's when we we ended right oh that's right so this is okay so this is the perfect way back in then because the um one of the things that's really enticing him uh to go to lockmaster is that he Quillerin suspects that there is some some connection between the woman who played Queen Queen Catherine in Henry VIII and um, Hillary Vanbrook, and so Quillerin is going to Lockmaster, hoping to 
he's sort of um sort of cryptically definitely for coco has discovered that there is a horse called son of cardinal that oh shoot what is her name uh you know i fiona fiona yeah i was gonna say i don't think i remember either i keep thinking fran but that's the other lady you know it's funny how many times i'm like oh i don't know and then all of a sudden my brain just regurgitates (laughs) it in a way that i'm like oh i truly did not know (laughs) um yes so Fiona. So mm-hmm. Fiona is the actress who played Queen Catherine, and she lives in Lockmaster, has uh, sort of famously in pickaxe been commuting to the rehearsals from Lockmaster, and she's one of the only people that Hillary Vanbrook has been kind of lenient on. She doesn't have to be there. They have apparently had rehearsals like every day of the week, and everyone like had to be there, had to be there right on time, even if Hillary was late, which apparently he was a decent amount of times. But um, Fiona was allowed to come in only two days a week and just was given much more leniency. To be fair to her, she had also played Queen Catherine before. And so I think that was one of the reasons why he was a little bit That's true, but not all of the reasons. There are other reasons. There are others. But that is true. Yeah, Yeah, that she already knew the part and that she maybe didn't have to learn it as as thoroughly as some of the other characters did. Mm -hmm. But so Quillerin Quillerin, uh, has been invited to the steeplechase with his cats. Well, the cats don't go to the steeplechase, but... They do um, go to Lockmaster. They do. They go with him to Lockmaster. And uh, yeah, is there anything else before that that we're missing? I feel like he kind of just goes. Yeah, he just goes. I think. I mean, there's still that, like, we. so in Lockmaster, I think he's interested in meeting Fiona, obviously. And then, yes. so her son is actually the one who is riding Son of a Cardinal. Yes, so that's right. He's a, a jockey in, in the race. But he's also still, like, weirdly not jealous, but jealous of Polly and, like, the fact that she had such a good time. And he's like, who uh, is this asshole yeah. that she had a good time with? How dare she? And that was the that was another part where I was like, oh, this book's letting me down again. Because <laughs> yeah. I really wanted that to be something, like, she was taking, like, a birding class. Yeah. Or, like, something that just really got thrown in Quellerin's face of being like, you're no, like, you're, you're an, an asshole. asshole. Yeah. But... That was not what happened. Yeah. And we will talk about that as it comes up. Well, I guess actually that comes up pretty quickly because one of the first things he does when he gets to Lockmaster, he, um, you know, has the cats in the car and takes them into the um, the Bushlands. That's the family that he's staying with. They apparently have a really fancy house in Lockmaster that, uh, that he's staying in. And they have like a suite, like a room for him and a room for the cats. Um, <laughs> Which is adorable. Which is super cute, yeah. And especially super cute that, so basically, so Quillering leaves and goes on a walk and goes around the town. And then um, when he comes back, he finds some funny, funny things that the cats have done. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the first things that he does is walk around town. Oh my God, did I literally just forget why I brought this up? Walk around town. <laughs> he, oh, yeah, he, he goes to the library. Right, yeah. <laughs> He visits oh Polly's friend, her fellow librarian, is who I think is the one who gave her Bootsy. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So he goes to visit her and brings up the wedding and was like, so, you know, like, you had a good time there too, right? Like, how long did you celebrate for as long as Polly did? 
and oh. so he's like asking like cryptic questions about and the, the woman's like oh it was beautiful like you should have come here's some pictures let's look at a photo album um yeah and he sees polly in a blue dress how dare she my oh god. my god what a harlot how i know dare she buy a new dress and like so much is made of that too that he's like she always tells me when she goes shopping and it's so rare that she does i always know about it and yeah and she, she was like it's electric like that. blue uh, that's oh. not a color she usually wears oh <laughs> uh, like so come dumb. on quiller and just start your wedding like leave her alone also that turns out to be like she was like he because he confronts her about her bright color choices later and she's like yeah just i like bright colors now <laughs> well yeah because she's Cause, like my, like, my hair's turning gray and i feel like it looks really good to have like a bright color against that and i'm like yeah that's yeah legit that's that great <laughs> seems like you know i go through color changes all the time i mean yeah I tell people about them like i looked at my wardrobe the other day and i was like hmm, everything i own is maroon maybe i should start buying <laughs> things that aren't maroon <laughs> Well, it also doesn't follow logically, I just realized, because if he thinks, because she clearly didn't meet this man. So it does end up being that she's met a man at the at the wedding that, you know, Quillerin sees her in pictures, you know, dancing with, talking with, you know, getting kind of friendly with. Yeah. Um, and it, but it doesn't follow logically that the dress had anything to do with that, because no. theoretically, she met him at the wedding. Right. So she would have it's not like she met him and then like picked up like that timeline doesn't follow no it's probably just that like she was looking extra hot for the wedding and like he was probably nice to her and she was like yeah "Yeah, i'll go with it why not like exactly have been together for two years now it seems like and like they live in a small town like she probably just like it felt good to make a new friend you know like it doesn't seem at all to me at least like she was trying to go behind Quillerin's back and like have a fling or an affair it just kind of seemed like she was enjoying her time and like didn't want to bring it up probably for the exact reasons of why like how Quillerin is reacting right that it became a thing yeah it's like well I'm just have and she actually you know I did actually enjoy the parts of it being like of that it was kind of kind of along the lines of what Quillerin was thinking but also that she was just really casual about it and it wasn't really like she was trying to hide it it just was that she was like yeah I mean this happened and I'm not ashamed of it I'm just well I mean at one point she does become a little ashamed of it because of something that will I mean now you can probably guess he anyway it doesn't matter he becomes a bad guy he does become a bad guy but like at the and time that, you know rightly so yeah exactly and at the time if he had not become a bad guy like she still has a right to make new friends yes exactly and there's nothing that pointed to anything i don't know it doesn't matter yeah. it's uh, all crazy it is because crazy. also too like i can't imagine that they had any it seems like they're like quillerin even calls their relationship a friendship numerous times mm-hmm. so i'm like have you guys even had a talk about being exclusive like are you even dating like what that, is even happening with you guys right like i don't think they have like in i mean lily and jackson braun has not written in that conversation they might have had it behind our backs but <laughs> <laughs> how dare they <laughs> they not include us i know but yeah it doesn't really seem like they have and like someone asked quillerin at some point in the book if he was thinking about marriage and he was like oh nothing could be farther from the truth and i'm like you guys have been together two years if you're not at least like 
thinking about the next step forward then like maybe you should at least like lock it down like if you're gonna be jealous about it like make it exclusive right but well yeah they don't seem to they don't seem to be bothered by it like polly is sounds like sometimes jealous of quillerin's lady loves well they're not (laughs) (laughs) quillerin just has like breathy weirdness and, like lusty breaths about other women he doesn't actually get involved with other women but i hate his i know it's but so you know gross. to put it that way that's a good comparison because i mean basically what polly did is not much more than what quillerin does every single book with numerous other women yeah. of just like hanging out with them a lot going to dinner right. having drinks and like, hers is probably much more mild because they live in the next town over she saw him like twice Right, she's not going to see him on a regular basis, which Quillerin definitely sees all of the people that he lustily breathes after. Lustily breathes through his mustache. Let's not forget that detail that he lustily breathes through his mustache. Yeah, gross. That mustache probably catches like so many germs. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Lusty breaths. It's full of lusty breaths. Germy lust. Jeremy last um. no gross <laughs> so yeah the, the the I think the point of our ramblings about yes. Quillerin is and, over. and Polly is yeah they're over but also it's just like it's funny to see the other side of it how Quillerin is like always complaining about like Polly being jealous of like all of these women that he's being totally like innocent with I mean he's breathing lustily into his mustache which I find not innocent but like his, uh, his other female friends that he claims Polly is jealous over, he, like, really does just have, like, a lot of female friends, it sounds like. Yes. And to, like, right. see the other side of it where Quillerin goes on, like, full-on investigation mode into Polly's life because she, like, is happy. Literally, yes. Like, that's, like, his biggest indicator is that she is happy. and it's She's like, oh, extra God. happy. Yeah. Ugh. But to bring it back to the mystery, Quillerin is... And so, yeah, he talks to Shirley at the library. Mm -hmm. She shows him pictures. He... So, basically, he sees this, you know, this guy that Polly's with. And uh, he's this, like, big, bearded, like, red, red-headed man who is, like, very uh, kind of obvious. And, like, I guess he's dressed up kind of, like, flamboyantly. And so he's kind of... Quillerin is kind of, like already hating him because (laughs) that's not her usual yeah exactly yeah and like this guy's you know just the how dare he look different than me yeah exactly yeah and then i don't think we get anything else from quillerin's walk around town he goes back oh when he gets back um to the cats i love this part because he gets back in and the cats have been like a little mischievous i guess they what else did they do besides because the the big thing that i remember is that they ate all of the red jelly beans, which I was really nervous about. No, he, they didn't eat them. Coco oh, really? sprayed them all over the red carpet, and so Quillerin didn't see them, and he stepped on them because they were all camouflaged into the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> but he did oh. he did try to eat one of them, at least, because that's what Quillerin steps on one, and he picks it up, and he's like, what is this? Squishy thing under my foot, which could be gross things. We all know from having cats that there could be sure. squishy, gross things that you step on all the time but yeah yep. he, he picks up a, a little a little red jelly bean that has two little fang marks in it oh right okay from Maybe Coco. That that idea. Yeah. yeah and he was like oh that asshole puts his fangs in everything but yeah i think he just like knocked the jelly beans 
out of their container and like into the red carpet so Quillerin had to like walk on all fours and like gather them back up again oh okay because I was getting really nervous that a cat had eaten like <laughs> like, like a hundred red, red jelly beans, beans. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he's gonna die That's not good. <laughs> no I don't think I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, let us know if your cat eats red jelly beans, but I don't think cats <laughs> go after. <laughs> like, Coco probably put one tooth in there and was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this isn't. Plus, I mean, their diet is so elaborate anyway that, like, yeah. why would he eat a jelly bean when he knows he's going to get, like, fresh <laughs> crab and rabbit and Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so then I guess there's there's a lot of kind of, like, back and forth. There's, like, a... Uh, oh, in Lockmaster, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of kind of walking around. There's, you know, hanging out in there in the Bushlands house and talking about, um, you know, just different people. I think that's where, um, but they, they're about to have a dinner party that night um, for Quillerin. But before then, they talk a little bit about Steve. Well, no, I don't think they. No, they. I guess they don't talk about him until after because Steve fucking shows up at this dinner party. This so Steve the redhead. Yeah. I was gonna say I don't think we've given his name yet. Steve's the redhead that Polly's been whoring around with. Oh, yeah. How dare she? No, (laughs) Steve's the yeah the guy that mildly befriended Polly and is perfectly innocent up until later, but in our eyes right now is perfectly innocent. Yeah. So he. It is pretty shocking though that he. So he shows up with Fiona, Mm -hmm. um, Queen Catherine. And uh, turns out Queen then Quillerin's kind of just like floored and is like, "Oh my God, uh, what is even happening? I don't even know." Yeah. And uh, so they kind of talk, and it turns out that um, Fiona is a lot different than her character. She's very quiet and reserved, and also very poor. It sounds like, and is you know kind of trying to make ends meet uh, by cleaning houses and. But everyone really likes her, and so they're trying to, um, especially Vicky Bushland, um, the wife of the couple that Quillerin's staying with, like, even has plans to, she wants to, like, open a catering company and hire Fiona. So, like, people really like Fiona. They think she's really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like Uh, she's been kind of, like, in that town since high school, so people, like, know her and are pretty supportive of her in general, yeah but yeah it sounds like she's had kind of a hard life like maybe not a great upbringing and then like when she did she get she got married right like she got right married like right after high school or right after college and then like as soon as she had her son her husband left so she's been sort of like on her own ever since yeah and um her son has grown up to become really interested in, in horses so hence he is um, in the steeplechase in the race that they are going to the next day. Mm-hmm. So I don't think a ton happens at the dinner party. We do meet Grummy, mm-hmm. Grummy Bushland, <laughs> yes, who uh, Quillerin loves because he loves old old folk or what is his term for oldsters? Oldsters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he talks with Grummy. Grummy is like just in love with him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh, the other big thing mystery-wise is that Fiona kind of quietly tells Quillerin that she has 
more information on Hillary that she wants to tell him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she gets any of it out then. I think it's not until this no. people face the next day. Yeah, I think she just kind of like whispers it as they leave. Oh, right. That yeah. she wants yeah. to talk to him more about it. Which like right. they so they go to the steeplechase the next day and I don't even remember her like giving that much information about Hillary. Like I was kind of waiting for like a big secret to come out and she was like, He was nice to me and like that was kind of yeah. it. Like she really didn't have that well, much. Cause I wonder well, yeah, I was gonna ponder something that with information that comes out later. But I think the big thing yeah, I think the big thing that is revealed there which you're right I don't know why that would be such a big thing that she would want to reveal Mm -hmm. but for us it's interesting to know that Hillary so Hillary it turns out when he lived in Lockmaster kind of took Fiona and her son Robin Mm -hmm. under his wing and he hired her as I think a live-in housekeeper right yeah that's what it sounded like and so both of them went to live with Hillary and um, just apparently cultivated a really a strong relationship where Hillary was really invested in in Robin's future and like really wanting him to go to college and you know would say apparently he even said that he would pay for college if he learned Japanese which I think I think in this conversation it, it came out that that Robbie wasn't interested in that offer and instead didn't he I think he dropped out of school to yeah start he, he did he dropped out of I think he even dropped out of high school. I don't even think he finished graduating yeah. high school to graduate. But yeah, he, he dropped out for horse racing. But yeah, so I I think and what ends out up coming out later in Hillary's, you know, counterfeiting money ways, his whole like I guess empire in yeah. in counterfeits. He did also have a counterfeit stash of like Japanese artwork and so I think he was also into like trying to counterfeit you know like valuable Japanese art and like pottery and things but um, also like tricking people into investing in like Japanese enterprises that maybe like weren't real and like you know with him being able to like speak and write and read Japanese I think he was trying to like trick people because it's like very much not a language that anyone knows and like has a whole different writing system so there's not even like easy ways for people to like translate things and so I think he was trying to maybe train like someone else to take over his business in the future which is so sad because I just realized and this is like a teeny spoiler but we've already said he's a bad guy but like, that's so sad because that really did put Robbie totally in the middle of two crazy con men just, like, yeah. vying for his attention. Like, that's yeah. so shitty. No, it's totally true, but at the same time, like, he, he picked the wrong con man. <laughs> no, it's so true. So and true. Also, that kid was like, I know you're, like, kind of supposed to feel bad for him, but he was, like, kind of an asshole. Oh, he was, yeah, no, I did not. But then again, he, well, anyway. I, He's like, how hard is life? I had, like, I get it, but like, he made terrible choices. No, it's very true. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he's yeah. technically not, well, we'll get there. Oh, my God, we're, like, yeah, trying to <laughs> just talk about the end before. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the thing is, though, this book was really interesting because there is not, like, really a ton in between, like, so the 
steeplechase happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie wins his first. Yes. Um, yes. Congratulations to Robbie. Yep. Congratulations, Robbie. Yeah. And you um, you actually kind of see like this comes back a little later, but during the steeplechases, they make bets on the horses, and Quillerin draws a horse that's like doing terribly and like not winning. Yeah. And you kind of like get a little glimpse into what happens when things go awry. Like the, I think it was like the third or fourth race, Quillerin's horse like trips over one of the jumps and like does a little has a little a tumble I guess and yeah. one of the kids they like cart everyone away and one of the like kids comes running up and is like they had to put the horse down and they took away the like jockey in an ambulance things are terrible so like it's a dangerous yeah. sport and I, I mean I think we'd like maybe all know that in the back of our mind like horse racing's not like a total guarantee um, but yeah, it does. You yeah. get a little glimpse during the, the steeple races that it can be a little dangerous. Did you also, I mean, not really the danger aspect, but during this part, did you also get like little flashbacks to Loudoun County? Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, Julia and I definitely grew up in horse country. Yeah, the way they were describing the town, I was like, this is Middleburg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Like so, I know this town. So, so yeah. It's so definitely like where we the area we grew up in is between like a number of different like really intense horse towns like we grew up in between horse fields um or horse like pastures and uh definitely i mean it's not necessarily steeplechases that they do but they definitely do fox hunts that's like yeah they do fox hunts but they also like breed horses and like train olympic like olympic jockeys and like horse people who do like dressage and like all of those like crazy like artistic horse things that one does I don't I was never (laughs) into that obviously I don't know the like terms for it but um (laughs) yeah I don't remember my point for that but oh yeah just like it can be like a really cutthroat business and it sounds like horses are like super expensive and like jockeys are like the disposable pieces of this kind of business it's like the horse is like the important part and then like right kind of where where Robbie is is a little bit less less important or like more I guess more replaceable like he's like the people in this business are not as um are not as valuable as as the horses and that kind of comes out a little bit later too yeah that's definitely shown a couple different times and a couple different accidents that happen whereas people are like so immediately like oh we had to put the horse down and they're like what happened to the jockey and they're like I don't know we don't care yeah, they're like, oh, he's in the hospital, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll <laughs> get another one. Yeah. But that, that's but then, kind of like all that happens at the horse races, though. Like, I don't think we get anything else. Do we get anything else yeah. from there? No, I think that's honestly it. And I've actually just been realizing that these books are, or this book is a little bit easier to recap than some of the other ones because there aren't nearly as many, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like some of the other books have had such weird detours that I'm like I don't even know how to say that this happened without going through like (laughs) an entire different thread of things that led to this point but this one it's like all the things are very even if they don't necessarily factor super into the mystery like they're pretty quick and easy to yeah like recap right but the big I so I think the big thing that then happens after the chase the steeplechase is that they get home and Coco is like doing doing his uh, dead body cry and oh, yeah. dead body dance, and um, 
at first the bushlands are like, oh, listen to him cry. And Quillaren's like sprinting that's out. That's not of the a thing. Like, yeah, that's not his real yeah. cry. That's a, yeah. that's a terror cry. Yeah, that's like a something is wrong cry. Mm-hmm. And it actually, this part was really sad. So Grummy earlier had confided in Quillaren. So Grummy lives upstairs in the third floor. Mm-hmm. And she has this like special elevator that she only comes, she uses to come down only for like dinner. And she like tires out easily. But then she confides in Quillerin that she, while everyone's out of the house, she goes downstairs and she, like, walks through every room of the house, like, reliving different memories in different places. Because this used to be her house that she lived in. Mm-hmm. And so, it, apparently, she died while she was walking around the house while everyone was out at the steeplechase. And she had the cats with her because she really loved the cats. And so, this super we get this, like, super sad scene where they walk in. Quillerin finds Coco. Coco leads him into the elevator. And instead of going up to the third floor, like the other, the rest of the family does by stairs, Coco takes him downstairs to the base basement. Uh, I actually don't remember where they found her. I think it was, it was in a downstairs area. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was a basement or yeah, not. Yeah, it, it but... wasn't in the third floor because she actually had an emergency button like in her room on the third floor so if she was like you know having issues she could just press it and you know it would call 911 for her I'm assuming yeah um but yeah she definitely wasn't in her third floor and yeah the the assumption that Quillerin makes is that she had come down to to walk around and hadn't made it back up to the third floor to press the button and she had a heart attack while she was like walking the house somewhere yeah and then the sad scene we get is her you know downstairs in in whichever room this is and yum yum is sitting with her and is basically like you know staying with her until someone finds her which i don't know i just found so sad and emotional i was like oh my god yeah so r.i.p grummy r.i.p grummy she she died doing what she loved watching yeah <laughs> watching birds and walking the house that's true yeah because she was i think part of what she was doing was reliving something bird bird watching related yeah um, because she used to have a club of like bird watching ladies yeah which she was so badass which talks about how uh, i think she was even telling quiller in the story about how she got so much shit for it because they were like the disruptors in this community of like just horse lovers <laughs> or like just homemaking you know uh, not just i'm not trying to diminish that at all but people who are very, yeah, very like one one toned community yes right people who are very judgmental about doing anything outside of what was already thought of as like the okay things to do yeah i mean she, she was also saying that like in that time period the women went out and hunted these birds oh that's right which, like yeah. i was kind of like like a like birds birds like what are you doing with them are you eating them because they're so they're yeah. so small <laughs> I think they were eating them. I think they were too. too. Yeah, because she said that some of the the young kids too would um, uh, shoot the birds and then give them to the local butchers to sell. Yeah. So it was like sport for the kids and then like business for the butchers. Birds are so small. It's like one like one bird is like the size of like one chicken wing. You know, like what you what are you doing with them? I mean, it just I I guess it's kind of like eating crabs. Like crabs are pretty small too, and they're a lot of work. But like the reason I did. Love you, eating crab. Yeah, I mean, like the giant <laughs> crab legs. Yeah, those are delicious. Yes, but, like oh, whole tiny little like awesome. Chesapeake crabs. Like those are those are kind of annoying and hard to eat. 
Oh, great. But yeah, I guess it's not that unusual. But yeah, she was saying that like in her time, it was like the women went out and, and hunted those birds. And so they were like, oh, women who just study them. Like, what are you doing with your lives? Yeah, it, it sounded like she was like sort of a precursor to like anyone who was like, you I know, wanting to be more inquisitive yeah. or gentle or like scientific. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just seemed really cool. Yeah. Um, so good, good legacy. For yeah, me. RIP. Yeah, yeah. So Quillerin leaves pretty immediately, obviously, because the family is very upset. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he go. he's supposed to have stayed an extra night in um, Lockmaster, but he goes back to uh, to Pickaxe pretty, pretty quickly with the cats, who are very happy to be home. Although it was really funny because apparently while, while Quillerin was out, they did a um, tour for the town because apparently everyone was so curious about his barn that they did like a like a five dollar a head tour of his apple barn and so that happened while Quillerin was gone conveniently because he hates people (laughs) (laughs) and uh it was kind of funny that you know they were saying that or Quillerin was saying that as soon as they brought the he brought the cats back in that they knew that 500 people had been through the (laughs) barn and were like sniffing everything and you know not not quite settling back in well but yeah, so what even happens after that? Because he goes pretty quickly back to Lockmaster for Grummy's funeral. Yeah, um, he does have, like, this goes back to his Polly thing. He does have, like, a moment of panic because he calls Polly, like, ten times right. in a row and she doesn't pick up. And so he, like, well, he, he calls her, like, once or twice. And then he, like, waits a few hours and, like, calls her a couple more times and, um like, waits till the next morning, calls her again. He's like, I wanted to confront her about this redheaded man. And like she's nowhere to be found, and so he calls her like yeah. sister in law. Yeah, yeah, I think sis, some form of sister. Yeah, yes. some form of relative. Um, and she's like, oh, she's away for the weekend, and he's immediately like, with the redheaded man. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he like panics about that. Um, but yeah, I don't really remember if there was anything else like substantial that happens. He does end up meeting with her at the library when she gets back and she was like oh I was bird watching and so like it obviously was him being like crazy and jumping to conclusions for no reason yeah but then he does dangle in front of her at that point that he met Steve mm-hmm. and that he saw pictures of her and him together and apparently she takes it in stride but also you know looks a little flummoxed yeah and yeah they have a weird relationship <laughs> yes they do <laughs> Like, I understand that this is taking place, like, what, 40 years ago at this point? But at the same time, like, were people not, like, open about friendships back then? Is that, like, a thing that, like, back in the day you couldn't have other friends? Oh, like, if outside of your, like, primary relationship? Yeah. Because, I mean, they keep talking about, like, because he invited the, oh, I can't remember their names, but, like, the couple that he stayed with, he invited them up. And was like, oh, yeah. we invited them up to, like, come hang out with us and whatever. But, like, I guess, like, as a couple, you're not supposed to have, like, non-couple friends? Like, is that the thing? Yeah, well, I think it's still that weird thing of, like, that distrust for, like, <laughs> single people or, like, people who aren't married. Because, I mean, if you think about it, like, I even felt that when I was, yeah, you know, even just not with John, but even still, like, not, I mean, definitely not in LA, I don't feel this, but yeah, one yeah. of the reasons I'm in LA and not a smaller place, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely still hints of, like, 
it's weird it's like somehow if you're not like attached to someone in a romantic sense then it's like weirdly people have like can make up these weird you know things in their head of like oh well this person's just gonna like go like you know what is looking for anyone Mm -hmm. and like which is obviously very stupid and I hate it (laughs) yeah no so I think maybe it's that and I would guess maybe the time frame like it being earlier there is maybe more of that in a small town I don't know yeah but like at the same time like I guess I guess this is the problem with Quillerin and Polly not having their relationship defining talk yet they like right there is that weird like they've been together for two years but like they're still not together like it's not defined to the point of like them acknowledging together that they like want to be exclusive because they it seems like they both do (laughs) but they're like not talking about it yeah and like doing weird like a little bit power trippy moves to like try to get the other one to say they're both they're also both terrible communicators because they they both like clam up and like don't talk to the other one when they should really just be like hey I'm feeling this way about this thing like let's talk about it right like they definitely don't do that so they just they just need a good DTR yeah they need (laughs) They (laughs) they really do just need to like talk more communication everyone is the key Uh, to success it really is just in all realms of life yeah um so they have some back and forth they do meet up i think quillerin makes the point that like they haven't seen each other in like over 10 days or like a really long time Mm -hmm. and that's like new for them yeah um and oh that was the other thing is that they try to make a date to like you know hang out and it seems like maybe break up like i don't know i always think they're gonna break up (laughs) but um they they like try to make a date and then like they're both busy for the next like couple days including one of the things being um grummy's funeral that uh coloring is going back to lockmaster for very soon right so then yeah is there anything else because then pretty quickly he goes back to lockmaster yeah I was just actually looking through the book to see, so I'm at the point where he's back at Lockmaster. Oh, um, so but actually before he goes back to Lockmaster, he gets a call from Fiona trying to sell him that farm. Oh, yeah, right. So the Amberton farm, which is the one that Steve is the stable master of, is apparently going up for sale because the owner is like, I think retiring and moving with his wife or something, something like that. Um, yeah. But Steve obviously is working there and has an interest in keeping his job. So he's trying to get someone <laughs> to buy the farm to kind of keep everything going the way it is. Um, and so he employs Fiona to call Quiller in and like memorize all of these like facts oh, about the barn. Poor like, Fiona. I know. I felt so bad about this part. So I was like, she clearly she obviously do like this. does not want to. But I mean, she also like sort of has an like would probably have an interest in this as well because like her son is a jockey there. That's true. Um, so as much as she probably hates being put in that position, like she probably agreed to it because she's like, well, it's probably you know good for like for the good of the greater. For the, as everyone always says, for the good of the greater. <laughs> <For> the greater. <laughs> yeah, I started that and was like, I did this wrong. 
really led you down a wrong track there, huh? <laughs> for, the, for the good of her, for her son. Family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, uh, we missed Cooler Ink going to Uh-oh. the butcher and buying a whole rabbit. <laughs> Which, like, weirdly factors into the end like is a very important piece oh, i wasn't gonna mention ending. it but then i was like actually i think i need to oh <laughs> we my need god yeah information like... he buys a whole rabbit which is apparently i don't think rabbits are that big but i think it's one of those things where you know, like you know you walk in and your cat's like all curled up in a ball and you're like oh so cute and tiny and then you walk in and it's like they're all stretched out and you're like great i don't have a bed now <laughs> Yeah, like, I feel yeah, like rabbits really- are the same yes. way. So he bought like a whole like stretched out rabbit, and so he has this like giant like frozen stretched out rabbit that is yeah, really, like and- the size of a shotgun. Well, yeah, and he ominously mentions that it feels like he's carrying yeah a shotgun, and I think he even mentions a baseball bat, mm-hmm. it being akin to that too, because he's like walking around town with it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good little hint to drop. I'm glad yeah. you found that. <laughs> Um, one oh my of god more so ridiculous scenes in, yeah. in this yeah. book is Quiller and buying a whole frozen rabbit oh my god so ridiculous yeah. for his so... for his cats yeah <laughs> this, and, this, this is mentions... just him being like we're gonna buy a frozen because he obviously doesn't know how to cook but he like yeah. sees it and it, he's like oh my cats have been like throwing rabbit tiles on the floor maybe I should buy them a rabbit oh my god and he even says like in the moment he's like I don't know how to cook this but I'm gonna find, find someone to this for me like who are you? Yeah, which he does. <laughs> which he does. <laughs> Spoiler alert: He does indeed find yeah. someone to cook this goddamn shotgun-sized <laughs> rabbit for his cats. <laughs> what a weird life he lives. Oh my god, he is such a weirdo. <laughs> oh my god. So then things kind of like go pretty quickly after this because he goes back to Lockmaster mm-hmm. for the funeral, and he kind of. Like, we kind of get even from as early as the steeplechase and the dinner with the Bushlands that there is something that especially Vicky is kind of holding back telling Quillerin about Steve because Quillerin is a little bit more inquisitive about Steve. And Mm. so this time is when she, you know, she being a little bit more raw because her mom just died, you know, he cut Steve comes up again and Vicky just really blatantly is like, why don't we just say it like it is like he's a womanizer and she even says too which i kind of like she was like i don't like that word but like i don't know what else what other word to use like he's just a creep and like quillerin too is like what's the deal with fiona and steve like are they together and she's like we don't know like it's just a weird relationship that we don't know like what he he also apparently got into trouble back when he was living down below with like doping horses it sounds like yeah Um, super scary yeah so he he got into trouble with like the current profession that he's in and like doing illegal things in that profession right which is not a good sign for quillerin who's now looking to invest in this farm that steve works at not that i like i don't know i kind of got the impression that like he was like sort of interested but at the same time like maybe this is like a, a dumb idea but like still wanted to get more information about it yeah, you learned from the Casablanca. Mm-hmm. He might but have learned his... from the Casablanca, but he, yeah. <laughs> which went up in flames. But <laughs> yeah. um, I think he he was also like, it sounded like he was kind of also thinking like, my mom almost done with my five years here in Moose County. It might be nice to have like something 
else to go to like during the winter or like a, you know just to have somewhere else to go to yeah he sounds like he's starting to get a little restless like he usually does mm-hmm. um, not that he hasn't like lived in multiple other places while he's living in moose county i know yeah it's so he's just so funny like i feel like definitely at that point by that point my, like i feel like i moved around a decent amount but i mean even now and i am how old 32 i'm like i don't need to move anymore <laughs> like, yeah it's a real short. no that's kind of but how he... i feel too like i have i have moved around quite a bit in my yeah. life but yeah no i feel the same way like i'm not even 30 yet almost there but i um like one of my favorite activities is going on Zillow and looking at houses that are affordable. <laughs> because like I don't even know if I want to live in Baltimore for that long, but I'd like really like the idea of owning a house. <laughs> yeah, and like not having to and move not anymore. having yeah. to move or like not having yeah. to worry about like leases coming up or like dealing with landlords. I could like yeah, decorate and like knock a wall down if I wanted. Yep, it's so true. Yeah. I mean, I understand I totally get that like sense of restlessness but I also get like that expires at a certain point then again neither of us are in our 50s slash 60s so like maybe it does come back at some point if you've had it he is retired so I semi-retired I guess like he's no longer working at the newspaper and he has like a very nice cushion of money under him so I feel like I could I could maybe see that coming back like in like if (laughs) <laughs> if I ever like have a retirement <laughs> account <laughs> I, well yeah that's a big and, yeah. <laughs> and can afford to like ever stop working I can imagine like if I don't have something holding me to a certain place like if I don't have a like job there and I'm just kind of like living and like have like a nice cushy fund like he seems to have like I can imagine being like I don't know I'm like what am I doing here may as well go visit other places you know what this really comes down to is that I think we're trying too hard to relate to Quiller. I think so. <laughs> I mean, we all know that I'm turning into him. <laughs> That's true. I feel like we probably do know that you are probably a little I'm, bit closer than I'm, you wish. I'm, I'm a cranky old man. I don't quite breathe heavily into my mustache yet, but <laughs> I'm getting there. You well, know. you still have many years to, I have to practice Many that. years to perfect the lusty breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. So he, oh, so we learned some like shady things about Steve, and then yes, um, I think that's that's it for for Lockmaster. He goes back home and he actually invites Fiona and Steve and Robbie to come up to like yes. convince him about this farm. And he has a, they come up. He has like a little conversation with them about like, well, this isn't. <laughs> he like they walk in and Steve and Robbie kind of like exchange a little like, oh yeah, he's loaded. Like look that Quillerin catches on to, um, yeah. and so he's very quick to be like, well, I need like your resume and like background on this farm. Like I can't just like this isn't my money. This is the K fund money. And so they have to, like, they have, you know, I'm assuming, like, a board of directors or something. Like, someone has to go through all of this information and make sure it's, like, interesting and, like, applicable to the fund and all of that jazz. So it's not like they can swindle Quillerin out of his hard-earned air money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, money he got from... Yeah. Where is that much? 
but so yeah there's that is he, he like made it pretty clear like there this isn't like a, they can't just like come in and like basically convince one person they have to have like a you know like they have to have good reputations themselves but also like the farm has to show that it is you know economically stable and you know like making an income um and a good investment so that that was kind of that visit but then that is when as soon as he mentions resume and steve is like what yeah and like his face like apparently goes really crazy and just is like uh i don't have that and then Poor Fiona is like, I'll help you write it out, Steve. But Quellerin's like, yeah, yeah he doesn't have been weird. <laughs> he's yeah, not gonna have one. Yeah. So, so I guess in between that and then the the last final confrontation is the uh, cat lookalike contest. That the is tipsy... the cat. Well, actually, before one other important thing happened, one tragic important thing happened um, after the Fiona Steve Robbie visit. As they're pulling away, Quillen hears a, <gasps> uh, a shot. Yeah, and he goes out and he assumes Robbie, but it actually turns out Steve had shot Coco's cardinal friend oh. outside, which is, like, why, why, first of all, like, why? <laughs> yeah, like, like super just, unnecessary. Right? Like, it just seems like, I, so, I'm still on the, like, why are people hunting birds thing? Yeah. Like, I get that, like, hunting is, you know, like, a thing that people like to do, but birds are so small. Like, is it even fun to, like you know bullets are big like is that even I don't know like that doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't compute in my mind like why would you shoot at a bird like a small tiny bird I think it's the thing especially because it turns out to be Steve that it's like you know vindictive and another thing of like him being him being capable of murder and just a bad guy in general yeah um but also my issue with it is that I mean Quillerin, granted, he lives on, uh, like, in a big apple barn with a lot of land, but he's also still kind of in the middle of town. So that's, like, super illegal, I think. Yeah, like, no, it shoot. absolutely is. I mean, I don't know about the laws in the 80s, but, like, these days, you can't, you definitely cannot shoot within, like, certain range of houses or, like, places where people live. So, like, I know where we live, we hear, like, shots in the distance all the time, but, like, they can't be within a certain range of residential properties yeah you and always Steve hear is, the safe distance yeah and like steve is very much like on a residential he like he's not even like within a yeah. range of a residential property he is like on a residential property no he's like literally in the car like i think it was as they were going to the car that is parked in quillerin's driveway so like he's and i kept yeah. thinking like that cardinal is always near that near it's the always house. near the window yeah so it's like he might he might have even just been shooting towards the house, which is also super not cool. Right. So Quillerin, this is probably the one time that I have been as angry as Quillerin yeah. is because Quillerin <laughs> was so fucking mad. furious and like yeah. immediately calls down to, you know, whoever is, who, like, who does he call? He calls someone and he's like, I need to talk to these people immediately. I'm going to like, he's like, I'm going to warn Fiona and then I'm going to give her son a piece of my yes. mind because he assumes it's Robbie. Yeah. Which to he be fair, when he talked to Fiona, she was like, it absolutely wasn't him. Like, but he did want to use the gun I just wouldn't let him so it was like you know she didn't like totally let Robbie off the hook like I think she was meaning to but it was still like he probably would have if he had had access to the gun like he's 
probably still just as big of an asshole as Steve. Well, and that's probably our first indication that there was more that Robbie is not like the great kid that Fiona says he is, mm-hmm. and that you know, not necessarily that we know or know anything about him being involved in anything yet. Yeah, but, but it, it does seem like he is like he's not necessarily getting swindled by Steve or Hillary. Like he was probably willingly going along with both of these. Yes. Schemers. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that happens, I can't remember if this happens before or after the cat contest, but I think it's before um, Quillerin goes back to Hillary's house with uh, Susan Exbridge this time. Oh, because... this is, yeah. This is when they started categorizing the books. Yes. Yeah. yeah because Susan, <laughs> Susan was like, it was really funny. Susan was like her typical kind of like, like out there self of just being like, or like dramatic self of being like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. And I'm like helping the, the estate of Hillary Van Brook and we have all this work to do and all these boxes of books. And Quillerin's like, oh, I, I know that's going to be a lot of work, but I'd be happy to help you. And she's like, Quillerin, you're just such a dear. But Quillerin's like, no, I want those fucking books. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was like, I want to find my book. <laughs> Yeah, he still wants to buy his book or find his book. And he also, I think, is still like really wanting to get back into Hillary's because throughout this, too, he also was saying, like, I'm going to write a book on Hillary. And it's like, bro, you probably haven't even still written that book on the Casablanca that you said that you were going to write about. It's probably more interesting now that it's gone. Like, what is your deal with like, I mean, granted, I'm sure there are like pages of an actual book that could fill up the number of times I was like, I'm going to write a book about that. But (laughs) still saying Quillerin. Yeah. Being ridiculous. But Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Um yeah, so he does end up going back to Hillary's and he brings Coco this time, which is great because they have this whole like back and forth of like Coco landing on top of boxes and like jumping behind bookshelves and basically Coco you know, based on like where he is and where he's scratching, helps Quiller and find numerous different like books of interest including an actual ledger that Hillary has put together or ledger is that the right word like catalog a catalog Mm -hmm. um, of like the books that he has and that there are mysterious markings on like red dots next to some books that are written out and like everything is very specifically categorized with like you know box numbers and like letters and there's like a whole system behind it that Quillerin can't quite figure out so he asks Susan if he can bring a couple books home um, and she says yes and so he brings the ledger is also hidden inside a book it's like a kind of like what you and I used to make uh, those like you know you cut the cut the page oh, the, hide- yeah, the hideaway books yeah like a hideaway book I think the ledger was inside a hideaway book mm-hmm. and so he brings that home too and so he's like kind of pouring over that and then in actually so I feel like there are certain points where Lillian Jackson Braun doesn't um you know sort of like the infamous like she didn't write the ghost experience and I was so mad about it but this one she does know how to drum up some mystery because she you know we we see Quillerin sitting down to read um and like kind of figure this out and then he he discovers I can't remember does he discover the money first or the other no he didn't he doesn't discover the money until after he gets home but the well yeah no sorry I meant back at home because he takes the books home yeah, I think this is actually all after the cat show because I I feel like after he 
discovers the money everything kind of like happens really fast because I kept waiting for him to call Susan and be like uh there's a bunch of counterfeit bills in your but he never gets around to it because everything just kind of like snowballs really fast that's true that's true I think I think the cat the cat competition actually might have happened before this oh shoot okay well we can backtrack a little bit the cat competition doesn't really matter into the mystery but it's hilarious and I'm so glad it's there (laughs) and there also is a little bit of a mystery surrounding it Uh, well no if we even mentioned this in the last half of the book we might have blown past it because it didn't seem that important but so Hixie got a little bit of a nod that I think we talked about um, yeah as to like her brilliance in marketing campaigns because she was the one who came up with like huff and puff constructions which I still find yeah. hilarious for... uh, still great, yes. um, and she actually had a marketing campaign for the restaurant the tipsy tipsy restaurant tipsy something yeah tipsies yeah tipsies okay yeah so they it's like this cute little restaurant that they frequent and um she had a marketing campaign for coming for like getting people to bring in cats that look like the original owner's cat tipsy yeah and so this cat is like famous it has it's an an all-white cat it has a little like black top hat looking patch on its head and that's why it's called tipsy looks like a little (laughs) tipping hat i think right also was drunk just (laughs) (laughs) um was that the reason why they called it tipsy because of the hat i feel like i read that but now i'm feeling yes sounds wrong no i think you're totally right because it looked like you the cat was about to tip its hat okay cool yeah yeah so but apparently it like wasn't i don't remember what gender it was but it wasn't spayed or neutered and so like now the whole like community is full (laughs) of white cats with like weird black patches yeah (laughs) and so she was like yeah i thought it'd be fun to like bring it because there's like a big portrait of tipsy in the restaurant um, and so she was like, yeah, we're going to have, like, we're going to drum up some business by having people bring in their tipsy lookalikes and so have, good. like, a lookalike competition. And then it was Quillerin and Polly did eventually have their dinner date. And it was at that dinner date that Polly, I think it was Polly. No, it was Mildred. Yes, it was Mildred. It was yeah. Mildred. Never mind. So Quillerin and Polly do actually end up having their their dinner date. But this was a different dinner date that Quillerin had with Mildred. Because Mildred was a fellow judge. And so yeah. Mildred came over to his place before and they like talked a bunch. And that's when they find out about the saffron. Because mm-hmm. he's like, look at yes, my look yellow underwear. My yellow everything. <laughs> <laughs> but then they go to dinner together before the, the judging. Yeah. And yeah. then they have this whole talk about the controversy of, um, of, of the that. color of Tipsy's paws yes oh my god the tipsy's pause controversy yeah so apparently someone wrote into the newspaper and was like hey so i i can't it was like her grandmother or someone it was like i i know we've all seen the portrait of tipsy it's like an all-white cat with a black hat and in the portrait the paws are black like they have little tipsy has little black booties like little Mm -hmm. little black socks on yeah um and she was like but I you know I have a relative a grandmother I think who remembers this cat and this cat was all white it had white paws like tipsy was a like genuinely all white cat white paws just with the little like black hat patch 
and then like more people wrote in based on that letter being like yeah I totally remember tipsy like all white cat everyone in my family describes it as an all white cat white paws and then like someone else wrote in and was like the portrait has black paws like that's what we know as tipsy like tipsy has black paws like that's what we have always had in our minds as an image and we don't want it changed or like yeah like like this is like yeah super (laughs) escalates or like my like great uncle was the like person who did that portrait and like I'm standing up for him like he wouldn't have drawn tipsy with black paws (laughs) if there was a cat with white paws like he's not here to defend himself but I will there's like this big controversy over whether tipsy had white or black paws which we we never truly find out if tipsy has white or black paws because no one seems to care and hixie was like well we'll just have one of each like yeah. <laughs> no problem well, this yeah. like doesn't phase me at all hixie handled it so well because quilleran comes in and is like well isn't this gonna be a shit show aren't you like sad that you did this whole thing to begin with and she's like nope we're just gonna have two categories and it's like well yeah of course <laughs> you are because you're smart like that's so brilliant yeah but then it does kind of devolve into a little crazy chaos because apparently just like way more people come than are expected and like every cat because of the controversy then like every cat has like a like a backing like supporters who are like this is the real tipsy look like and apparently they like go against fire code and like all these people are just like cramming in and then they're actual like are the firemen there i guess maybe because it's such a small town like everyone's already just there and people are yeah like, i think everyone's are just like, there <laughs> yeah so pe- like actual officials like become their actual job and are like trying to push people out and then they're like no we're contestants and so literally it just evolves like look, cats start getting out of people's hands and running amok and yeah so they basically don't even finish the contest <laughs> no it's you kind of get this picture of like it just like dissolves into complete and utter chaos and you can just like <laughs> yeah. see people like you know crowds going crazy and like cats flying everywhere and like just everything just is total madness and I think at one point Quillerin and the other judges like crawl under the table to get having to like get out (laughs) literally slip out the back door like Mildred's like let's get out of here like I imagine it like like a chaotic like you're right like crawling out the back door Mm -hmm. oh but you know what else? So they basically go get a drink in um, in another restaurant or in the bar of the restaurant or something. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, kind of dies down and then they all go home. But the other thing that we get from that is that one of the other judges besides Quillerin and Mildred is the superintendent who fucking hired Hillary at the very beginning of his tenure in pickaxe mm-hmm. after he left Lockmaster. And at the beginning, I yeah, I don't know if we mentioned this at the beginning of the series, but um Quillerin earlier had been talking to the superintendent uh oh we did because we he had called the superintendent to be like you know hey your principal is dead yeah um and then they kind of talked about like being suspicious of Hillary's credentials Mm -hmm. and then this is where that superintendent is like yeah you know I looked into it and basically everything that Hillary said was fabricated but then also in the same breath is like but he also did a great job despite being super asshole so, <laughs> right like I don't know yeah but. it was kind of one of those like well I mean, he was a terrible person but also he like did really good things yeah also really like bad him. things yeah but some really good things yeah <laughs> like so just one of those like do you excuse his assholiness and bad things to like you know for these good things but 
at the same time, like if you're a superintendent and this principal comes in and like raises the standing of your school that much, like as much as Hillary did, like that's that's pretty impressive. Like, oh yeah, that's I mean, good work. He definitely was still on his side, I think, because yeah. he was even like, well, you know, obviously now he donated his um, estate to us and like, we'll probably name a library after him because right. we're probably going to get a lot of his books too. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, because that was Quillerin's first question was like, what's the stipulation for you inheriting all of, right. like, all of his stuff? And he was like, actually, there, there wasn't one. Like, I yeah, just get all of his stuff. Which then going, tying back into what we, um, we sort of backtracked to talk about the cat competition um that's sort of where we get another famously Lillian Jackson Braun moment where Quillerin does actually crack the code finds the counterfeit literally like counterfeit bills I think in between book pages yeah it's like one book has like all 10s one book has like all 20s and there's like yeah. you know 20 boxes of books that are you know highlighted in red or have the red dot next to them so he's like huh there's a lot of fake money in here <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like an organizational, like, dream. Like, I was thinking of it like, oh, my God, I wish I was smart enough to come up with some kind of system like that just for, like, my bills or something. Like, yeah, it's so, like, elaborate and cool. I know. But within that, Quillerin also discovers, well, so Quillerin discovers something that we don't get to know yet Mm, because mm -hmm. Lillian Jackson Braun just writes past it and we see Quillerin going like flying into action immediately calls Steve and invites him back and is kind of like I'm in for the farm thing like come talk to me we'll kind of hash everything out and like definitely you can tell like we know Quillerin now like we know that this is all a slur figured it out but obviously not telling anyone or calling the police like he should right or anyone like literally the only other person there who saves his fucking ass is there by accident yeah right which which I was actually going to give you props because you may not have guessed that Eddington Smith was the murderer but you did guess that he was important somehow (laughs) (laughs) because so Quillerin calls Steve and is like, get over here now. Like, we'll talk business. And Steve's like, yeah, sure. I can be over there in like, you know, like an hour or something. Mm-hmm. And so Steve is on in route. And meanwhile, Quillerin is like kind of just putzing around and, you know, doing his Quillerin thing. But then all of a sudden someone is like walking up from like a weird direction. Apparently it's very strange for someone to be coming up from this angle. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to be mm-hmm. super suspicious. And Quillerin immediately goes out and is like, I'm, you know, expecting someone else. Like, what is happening? Yeah. And it's little old Eddington Smith, the guy who runs the bookstore <laughs> in town, the used bookstore, and is like, Quillerin, I found your book. Here's to the city of brotherly crime. Yeah. <laughs> like the most innocent <laughs> visitation yeah. ever. Just like, here's your book you've been looking for for ages. Okay, I was bye. Like, on- like, yeah, it's free. Like, Don't even pay my- me. No, right. He's like, I walked all the way here. My doctor told me to walk. I was literally picturing him like the little turtle man from The Simpsons, the guy that just like is constantly getting like, you know, shit on. But anyway, yeah, so Quillerin like immediately is like, well, come in. Like, I'll give you a drink. And also, like, I have someone coming over, but you should stay upstairs in the balcony with the cats and like listen to the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. But stay out of sight. uh, Excuse me, what? (laughs) 
Yeah, he's like, I'm a little old man. What is your problem? <laughs> Why are you asking me to do the weirdest thing ever? Yeah, can I just go home, please? Yeah, I don't know. I think he even, he's like, but like, really, I just want to go home. And Quillerin's like, no, I'll give you a ride. Don't worry about it. Just go like creep on this conversation I'm about to have. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What a weirdo. Quillerin. What a weirdo. Yeah, and you, so- but like, if he had called the police, he could have like also had someone do that from, you know, a professional but yeah standpoint? like a, a, from <laughs> police force <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not just a little a little man. bookkeeper <laughs> yeah. oh my god so dumb yeah so yeah so then so hillary or hillary um so steve does show up and quiller and immediately starts to get him drunk mm-hmm. uh which steve because it worked quickly... so well last time it did i mean <laughs> You know, he was like, you know, someone just busted in at the last second and I got my, my last minute bust in now. Uh, he's hiding upstairs, so I'm ready. Yeah. So, yeah, he, like, Steve drinks a bunch. Uh, they, like, talk. And then Quillerin, like, super casually keeps being, like, like, keeps just, like, really digging at Steve and being like, I know you shot my cardinal. But saying it in, like, a really casual tone so that Steve is, like, kind of caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and like has to backtrack a bunch and then Quiller and De- yeah what was it Steve talks about liking to shoot and then Quillerin says something about like oh well is that the same gun that you used to kill Hillary Vanbrook and then Steve is just like what no you're crazy I don't know what you're tra- blah 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 and then I can't remember what was the actual last thing that made him draw his gun on oh, Quillerin it was Quillerin being like well I have a dead cardinal in a coffee can out there that is ready to go to the police for investigation they have you know they can compare both the bullets oh right 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 and yeah. that's when Steve draws his gun and is about to shoot but then luckily little old Ed Smith comes to the rescue <laughs> and, and apparently Coco and Yum yeah. because they it turns out all three of them are upstairs pawing, and I'm just gonna say all of them are pawing yeah. at the uh, <laughs> at the uh, big tapestry, mm-hmm. uh, the apple orchard tapestry that Quillerin just got. Yeah, and luckily, just in time, they drop the tapestry on top of Steve, which it's like this, like a huge, like oh, no nonsense tapestry. Yeah. So it like pins him down. And then Quillerin like immediately calls the police. And... <laughs> no, Quillerin immediately goes to his freezer, gets this fucking rabbit. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. How did I forget that? Oh my god, over the so head dumb. with a rabbit. <laughs> I forgot the best part. I'm so disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah, no, that's his first step is to club Steve over the head with a frozen rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> How could I ever have forgotten that? Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then he calls the police. Um, then it got right yeah Mm -hmm. so it's pretty much wrapped up from there we do also get later that Quillerin so basically what Quillerin had found in um Hillary's like ledger and all of his information and you know sort of nefarious uh items is that he found two different wills one being a will the most recent will where he gives everything to the um school district Mm -hmm. but another one being made out with everything going to robin stucker um and so apparently so then fiona oh and we forgot the small detail that there was an actual accident there was yeah i was about to bring that up so we did learn at some point in this whole string of events that um there actually was an accident earlier that day and robbie robin robbie 
is uh, thrown from his horse or his horse, you know, took a tumble or tripped or like hit a, one of the jumps. I don't remember what happened, but Robbie's in the hospital now and we don't know what's going to happen because he was not wearing a helmet, which is very unsmart. Yeah, that is not very smart at all. But what? A, yeah, so one of the things I thought was really interesting is that one of the th- the reasons that Quillerin knew that it was Steve, aside from the will, was that Steve, when Steve came over the first time with Fiona um, to talk about the to talk about the farm, Steve apparently said something akin to like he looked out into uh, Quillerin's orchard and was like, "What are you doing with all the?" all the trees out there what do you how or you know uh i can't remember exactly how he phrased it but basically quillerin it was phrased in a way that implied that he had seen the orchard before and quillerin was like uprooting all of these trees that like weren't really producing fruit yeah and so quillerin was like aha you say you haven't been here but you are acting like you've been here (laughs) it sounds like you've seen those trees before oh and then the reason sorry i feel like we're i keep forgetting like the actual threads of things but we do get kind of a confession from so Fiona calls Quillerin or Quillerin calls Fiona in the hospital to talk to her and Fiona kind of confesses like yeah Robbie told me that he knew about that he knew about the well he knew about the the will and it sounds like so the reason there are two wills is because Hillary had left every or had I guess confided in Robbie that he was going to leave everything to him but then when Robbie, I think it was when Robbie dropped out of school to become right. a jockey, Hillary was like, well, I'm not leaving everything to you then because I, that was like the condition was that you go to school and study Japanese, which right. is probably to, you know, he was leaving everything to him to take over his criminal activities. Yeah. As right. one does when you have criminal activities, you need to leave your stuff to someone who understands your empire empire to someone who understands how to run it (laughs) yeah Uh, so when Robbie wasn't interested Hillary was like oh well I'm not gonna leave it to you then and so you you kind of get the sense that like it wasn't really Robbie's idea to kill Hillary but he was sort of like he kind of like didn't I don't know if he came up with it but like he did like mention it at some point enough to the point where you're like but like I know you probably wouldn't have done it yourself but like you at least thought about it you know you're still an asshole yeah I kind of got the I was kind of envisioning it like Hillary or gotta keep saying Hillary for Steve sorry Hillary R.I.P. but I so yeah I was envisioning it kind of like Steve and Robbie because they spent so much time together like obviously they Robbie, you know, told Steve this information, and then maybe it was like a joke at first, like yeah. kind of joking about it, kind of colloquially, like. Wah, and then Steve and was then, like, "But no, really." Yeah, exactly. But then it became like more than that, and then Robbie kind of maybe started to suspect. Like you kind of get the impression that even though Robbie's an asshole, he was kind of wrapped up in it and didn't know how to get out. Yeah. Of it, but also still, as Quillerin points out, he is an accessory to murder. Right. So, but apparently, is also going to like testify and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that kind of wraps it up. Yeah. Was there what else? Oh, Quillerin and Polly, to wrap that up, <laughs> they have their dinner, and they don't mention... I thought they were fully going to break up in that dinner, but no, they... they also have a picnic that's there. Yes, that's right. They have a picnic where, like, both times they, like, almost get weirdly engaged, but don't. <laughs> yeah, it was... They were like, yeah, because Polly was like, this has been the happiest two years of my life. And Quillerin's like, yeah, me too. What are we going to do about it? And then, like, both of them changed the subject. Yeah, it's like, well, you guys are 
bad at talking yeah, to each other. I'm really bad at this. Can I get you two engaged for you because you're not going to do it yeah. by yourselves? Or can I break you both up because you're maybe just going to continue to be jealous of each other? And or maybe this is just working for you and neither of you are ever going to have a healthy relationship and so you may as well be with each other. <laughs> That's true. I mean, that is true. Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, so that's, I mean, that's really it. Oh, so then the the kitty wrap-up, the kitty roundup of uh, things that Quillerin still, you know, thinks that Coco was pointing towards the whole time. Coco, he obviously still thinks that Coco, as he was looking at the back of Hillary's head, thought that something was going to happen to the back of Hillary's head. Um, which it did. Which it did. Which it very much did. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, just the cardinal connections too. Like there were so like someone. Oh, that was the other thing too. Is that apparently a cardinal was also the emblem for Amberton Farms, and so both Steve and Robbie, when they showed up at Quellerin's house, had polo shirts that had a cardinal on them. Well, and so I missed Quellerin. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, that was just a really small. That he doesn't mention it again, but um, that was another thing that I was like. Oh, that's like there were just cardinals everywhere in this book. Yeah. Like technically, a cardinal killed a cardinal because uh, Hillary played the cardinal in the um, play, mm-hmm. and then yeah, what else was there? There were like a couple other things. Um, the that... rabbit tile was it wasn't it like Steve O'Hare? Yes, that's right. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, and there became right a lot of other like rabbit things between Coco and Quillerin that then yeah Quillerin at the end I did really like the last couple pages where Quillerin was like talking to Coco and was like kind of like an old timey like oh old you you knew all along didn't you yeah (laughs) did you know that this and it's kind of cool too that she does leave it mysterious again of like you know did you know these things and Quillerin again is being like I think everyone thinks I'm crazy and you know whatever but <laughs> we're all like yeah Quillerin actually <laughs> but actually we do but we want to believe yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think that's that's pretty much it I think yeah I think that's it that's the wrap up for this story Woo! well guys this was a really good one I really enjoyed this one yeah, I actually did too um so we're not gonna blurb you this time because we have a couple just that because the holidays are coming up we're trying to plan some special things but we don't know what they are yet <laughs> yeah i think that's so, perfect yeah, yeah we definitely have a, a Christmassy holiday edition coming out at the end of the month but up until then we're still planning and <laughs> yeah. trying to figure we're out still, our lives <laughs> you know like we've said before we're just uh yep planning our lives as we go yeah. and we'll we'll keep you guys updated as we as we have it all lined up yeah so tune in next week because it'll be as much of a mystery to us as it is to you what the topic's gonna be cat crime solvers definitely. help us solve the crime of what we're yeah. doing next definitely something cat related we all know that yes but absolutely yeah. well it'll be a surprise surprise <laughs> surprise well thank you guys so much for listening um we so so appreciate it Ooh, um, you, oh my god shout outs yes i was just gonna i had just written that down so we have a patreon supporter what? and it is yeah it is so exciting her name is katie melson katie thank you so much i'm so sorry if i said your last name wrong melson um maybe i shouldn't have said it again but she <laughs> also has a big orange tabby cat named Garfield who actually eats lasagna, which is 
just the greatest thing on the, the planet. Um, and she also has uh, an albino bunny named Judy. Which so, is very fitting for this week's hair-related story. Oh my god! Yes! Yeah. Sorry, Judy. We are so sorry for the frozen rabbit that was in the in the fridge of this week's episode. Please. Yeah, um, Quillerin's freezer rabbit. Yeah, yeah. We take no... Yeah. Uh, no responsibility for that we're so sorry (laughs) apologies we hope that your cat is more friendly to bunnies yes um but yeah katie thank you so so much um that means so much to us and uh yeah oh she also came up with a great term for our um for people who donate to us on patreon oh she asked if um they were gonna be called patrons as in like patreon like patrons 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 I like, I like that, that a lot yeah that's adorable yeah so that was all katie so thank you katie um we so so appreciate it and um yeah thank you guys to everyone else who has yeah followed us on social media um we're paranormal captivity pod on instagram and paranormal pod on twitter we also have a uh goodreads book club where we have a couple books ahead where that you can see like what we're doing next and if you want to read along um so that's a ton of fun um also speaking of social media this is like coming out of nowhere and i <laughs> forgot about it up until now um perfect but so i posted on this i i know a few people who follow paranormal captivity also have started following me and i posted i've posted a, a couple lines from the books as i'm reading nice along but um i so i was reading today and one of the lines in the book um so steve has allergies and he kept sneezing but one of the lines in the book was like if you sneeze it means it's true which i it's to me is a very albanian thing i had never heard that superstition or that like belief until i went to albania and then everyone in albania is like if you sneeze it means it's true oh weird that's but, like, i've never heard that before yeah i had never heard about it but lillian jackson Braun has obviously so my quest my post on social media my question was is this like an american thing like have we have i just like been missing out on this my whole life or do we think that lillian jackson <laughs> Braun is albanian oh you know i mean we don't know yeah guys <laughs> we, let us know we, if you have any more information know. Is that, like, have other people heard that before? Like, if you say something and then someone sneezes, like, that means it's true. Yeah. Tell us, guys. Yeah. We, uh, tell us. If you've heard anything about that, let us know on social media. And, yeah. And uh, we'll have to check that out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, happy early holidays as we're leading up to it. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Okay. okay bye. Bye. Cat lovers. <laughs>